Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. Let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled through the voice of my grandmother. So this month I've been telling uh, stories about my life. I don't know if it's just a reflective season or what, but it also has application for your deconstructing journey because there's there's power in our stories and there's power in telling them because there's ways that we can reflect back on our lives to see how we were always on this journey to where we are today. So here's another story for you. And this is about one of my grandmothers. Um, And I'm going to be honest with you. This was a hard one. I had, I loved my grandmothers immensely. They were a huge part of my life. But today's story is going to focus on my maternal grandmother because she is credited for really my passion for my religious heritage. And I'll talk a little bit about that later, but I'm going to describe a little bit today, an experience that I had not too long ago, where my inner child showed up. Now I'm in my 60s, I'm a senior, but it's a reminder that our childhood experiences, we carry them with us all of our lives, and they still impact us. So whether we are uh, addressing them, whether we are facing them, and that means some of what was good, but also what was bad, those things that influence how we show up in the world. So I had one of those experiences this week, and I'll I'll share about the video in a little bit. But in case you forgot, here is an example, or I'm sorry, description of the inner child. Inner child is an expression of not just your child self, but your lived experience of all stages of life. The inner child is also noted as a source of strength since early experiences can play a significant part in your development as an adult. Now, I would add to that description that Not only can it be a source of your strength, it can be a source of your weakness. Those things that if we don't address the trauma, then they are going to show up in when we have trauma responses. And I'm also going to share one about that in just a few minutes too. So what I've realized, again, a little reflective here, but important. Um, I feel like life kind of goes in series of 20 year bites. And the first 20 years, even though it goes by in a blink at the time, you don't think it is, you feel like you're just going to live forever. The next 20, you get a little bit more responsible. And I'm in, I just ended my third 20 year span. And I can tell you that everything feels like it's moving faster. And I don't think that that's an uncommon experience. Cause I look back and go, where did all the days go? And I remember thinking that when I was sitting at my daughters, my oldest child's high school graduation. And when the uh, commencement music started, the pomp and circumstance started, I really did have a flashback to her first day of kindergarten. Because it's like, wait a minute, what just happened? How are we here? How did we get there from here just so quickly? And I think oftentimes we do that because we are so busy with living that we don't realize how much of our life is passing by because of the lived experiences. It's it's like a paradox that we live in all the time. So here we are in this place of in those early years where you 
tend to hold on to some of those memories and reshare them as time goes on. And so here we go today. It's going to feel a little different for any of you who it depends on your relationship with your family members, specifically your grandmothers. My relationship with my grandmothers, like I said, was primarily good. They impacted me greatly. Both of them did. But I also hear from a lot of people who did not have good experiences. I'll never say that my grandmothers were perfect. They were not. And later in my life, they disappointed me in ways where I realized that love can be conditional when you are part of a patriarchal experience. And I know some of you say, why do you talk about that so much? Because I don't think we realize how much patriarchy plays in our lives. You see it in different ways when people talk about, well, I just wish that they would talk differently. I don't know why they have to use those words. I don't know why they have to dress like that. We are showing the world our patriarchal biases that were entrenched in us, even though we don't even know where they came from. So what happened with my experiences with my grandmother, and I think I, I write about one of them in the blog, is that I realized that they were reflecting to me one of their indoctrinated beliefs from patriarchy, and I disappointed them when I pushed back. And so even though it strained our relationships, and we certainly were able to get past it as time moved on, it really had a moment with me when I realized that these systems are so ingrained in us that they will compromise our relationships. And the work that we do to deconstruct from them goes far beyond just our religious experiences, our religious indoctrination. It goes far beyond that. And that's why it's so important that we deconstruct. And it's so important that we look at how we have been impacted by all of our indoctrination, whether it's familial, religious, institutional, our educational system, and things like that. So I'm going to include in your show notes an article. Now, this is from the Dallas Theological Seminary, so it's going to be very Christian-centric, but I think it's important to see that there are articles out there that talk about the importance that grandmothers play influencing their grandchildren because they are they can, they stand in the gap a lot of times between busy parents and being able to pause and realize that life is going by so quickly. I know with my own grandchildren, I can see that kind of, that kind of influence. But in that, the Dallas, what I like, what I find interesting, I won't say I like it, about the Dallas Theological Seminary is that it's reflected through patriarchy because it's saying, well, they can influence religion. They can reinforce those beliefs. Well, we know what that feels like, or we hear those stories, or perhaps you have experienced through the power of their rejection. So when you're trying to finally dismantle and reject those patriarchal beliefs and stand in your authenticity, your, the rejection of your grandparents can be some of the hardest things that you experience. And I have held the space for people who have felt that pain. I've watched the videos. I've shared them. I've talked about them because that is hard. That's a struggle. I shared a story at Christmas where his name was Mike, was told by his grandmother that unless he was going to go by his birth name, his dead name, that he was not going to be invited to her house, that she thought that he was an abomination, uh, was told not to come, don't speak, don't even show your face, because that grandmother chose the belief system over her grandchild. And it was heartbreaking. 
I ended up sending him all kinds of gifts. And there's some fun videos back there. If you haven't seen him, you can go find them around Christmas. But I wrote, they are the keeper of one of our first stories. And they also can be the cause of some of our first wounds. And pause with that for a minute, because I think it's important for us to hold that gap between what is our what is the beginning of our story and who has been involved in our wounds and how do they still impact our lives? And if they're still in our lives today, are they in a place where we have respectful boundaries or are they infiltrating in places where they are still gashing at us and causing those wounds. So this is an important opportunity to look and see who's in your inner circles. And are you still participating in a system that's causing you pain because of your obligation to, or what you think is your obligation to a system that does not serve your highest good. And, but I'm, I'm also saying, I get it. If you are financially dependent upon, or you have things that you're struggling with and you cannot leave that system. I'm not judging you, dear one, but can something be put in place to start to nat help you navigate from that? If that can help you be who you truly are and help you heal from the wounds that family has caused. I heard from a woman in her seventies when I first started teaching online, who told me that for the first time she felt seen by the things that I was saying to her, that she felt like I understood what was happening, but she would never be able to tell her family or her church, how she felt and what she truly believed and the damage that she felt that her church had caused because they'd kick her out. They'd reject her. And she couldn't do that, not in her 70s, because she needed them to take care of her. So she wanted me to know that she could never be seen and she would never comment, but she was here and she was supporting me. How sad is that? That was several years ago and she, I won't harass her. I won't go back and talk to her because I won't risk someone seeing an email from me or anything like that. She asked me not to respond to her or anything, but that's what happens when beliefs have become so weaponized that you believe that you have the right to hurt somebody in that way. And you feel like it's a God-given right. So... Like I said, this has everything to do with deconstructing and right out of the, right out of the gate, we've gone heavy, haven't we? But I, I tend, I tend to do that. So I wrote here that there isn't what the support that you might need to say, can I, do I have to stay in these systems? Do I have to stay in this, these systems and what support do you need to move away from them? I understand that is sometimes it's hard. But when we also understand that our family's love for us and our support for us is conditional upon us abiding by that, then it might be time for us to look otherwise. And I know that you won't have it all figured out. It took me years. Like I said, I didn't really actively start deconstructing until I hit 50 when I was openly letting people know that I was. So I invite you to walk gently into what we're talking about today because I know this is a challenging subject and it, uh, it can feel heavy to talk about some of these things. But this all started because of a video on TikTok, of course, where this young man, he looks like he's in his 20s and he's pretending to be his grandmother. And he has this bag the size of Texas on his arm and it looks like it's just filled with everything. And you all seen those. I think I have a, a couple in my closet as well. But they, he placed a wash rag on his hand. And that's kind of like the universal code inside uh, the wardrobe of, of social media, especially on TikTok, that, that signals, I'm pretending to be a woman. And it's just, a, he just put a wash rag on her head. 
it's really cute. Um, and so he had the wash rag on his head and he's positioned as if he's talking to someone off camera that you can't see. And he starts to reach into the purse and he says, get that. I like that one. That's pretty. That'll look good on you here, here. And he re he's reaching in and above his head, it says someone's unemployed, retired grandmother grabbing her envelope of money to buy you something. And oh my goodness, I spiraled back. My inner child reached and pulled me down and set me down and said, you need to see this. That's one of those things where you're, you are being invited to pause and remember. So when I talk about those, those 20 year sets that we've gone through, I'm going back to my first 20 when I was, my grandmothers were part of my everyday experience, not just once a month or during the holidays or something. I saw them all the time and remembering those size of Texas bags and those envelopes of money and saying those things because they wanted to give you something out of, they had absolutely nothing, but yet wanted to give you something because they thought it would look good on you. And even though they might not have a nothing to their name, they wanted to do something for their family and said, here, this is going to look good on you here. You get this here. I know you like this candy. Let's get it here. I know you want this for supper. Let's get it. I remember one year I went to go see my grandmother and I saw these donuts and I, I just looked at them like this. And she goes, Oh, do you like those? Do you want those? And I said, well, they, they look good. And I, all I did was just a little, not, I didn't even really do it passively to say, Oh, maybe she'll catch the hint. I just thought they kind of looked good sitting there. She goes here, let's get those for you. Well, hold on. And she looked at her her envelope to make sure she had enough money. And then I felt guilty. She's like, honey, I want to get them for you. It'll make my day to get these for you. So the comments flooded over this video because that's all it was. And people were leaving their, their little broken hearts and their angel halos and their crying eye emojis because everybody was spiraled back to that first 20. Everybody was spiraling back to say, oh my gosh, I miss my grandma so much. Oh my gosh, the love in that envelope, the love in those purse, the love in those, in those words. And that was just exactly what we needed. So somehow in a 15 second video, this young man had been able to capture an emotion and a moment that connected thousands of us together to say, I remember this and I so miss it. I so want this back in my life, but that's not what I did. I took a step back. I think I, I might've liked it but I had, I could not comment. It overwhelmed me so much that that is the way I respond. When I am blindsided by an emotion so strongly, I'm going to back away. And I've got to, I got to process it by myself for a while. And I now understand that that's actually a trauma response. Didn't know that. And I'm good with it. I have my team of mentors and counselors and it serves me to be able to process things. It's empowering for me to be able to process that, but I will um, and include an article in your uh, show notes called 12 Life Impacting Symptoms Complex PTSD Survivors Endure. Now I'm a victim of child abuse and I've talked some about it here. So I know that there are still elements of that that go through. So feeling something so vulnerable triggered that in some ways to make sure that this child is still going to be okay. And then once I know I am, I can come out. And here I am. 
to talk about it. So not needing any psychoanalysis today, I'm sharing a vulnerable moment with you again to tell you that when we understand what our trauma responses are, and if they're no longer serving our highest good, then we need to make sure we're addressing them. And if not, then we are, can be empowered by them if we know how to utilize them and use them in a way that helps us carry forward. I hope that helps you in some way. But here she is in this moment. And I knew that I was being invited back to those, those memories. But I also knew there was some tension that was also, I was remembering here because my grandmother would have that money until it was gone. Her priority was to, to, first of all, she gave selflessly to the point that by the end, she wouldn't have a dime to her name, but that didn't necessarily mean that she got her bills paid. So that often meant that children had to step in and some grand, some of us grandchildren had to step in to make sure that the light bill got paid. And she never saw anything uh, wrong with that because she just was a horrible manager of money, but she would have done anything to help anybody else. And I think towards the end of her life, there was a lot of awareness that was happening. And I think that happens for all of us. We start to become more reflective. That's why I said, that's what's happening here. We're just, as we start migrating in our senior years, but for her, it was, here's a good example of that. She religiously watched Oral Roberts. I know, right? Religiously watched him and Jimmy Swaggart and all those old time gospel shows. And, but one time she called me. And she said, she asked for my brother's address. And I said, why? She goes, well, I want to send him $20. I was getting ready to send it to Oral Roberts because he's asking for money for the Oral Roberts University students who just need a love offering. Okay, yeah, like any of those students would have gotten it. But she said, and I thought, well, wait a minute. Why am I sending this to Oral Roberts when I have grandchildren that are in college? What? What did What just happened here? Now, at the time, I knew that was a big deal. What I did know at the time was that that was my grandmother dismantling patriarchy. She heard it, rejected it, because this man flat out would tell you that your salvation was contingent upon you sending him money to keep his multi-million dollar ministry empire going. And she rejected it. And she sent that money to my brother instead. So <laughs> I'm sure that that meant that somebody else had to pay a bill for her. The irony of that is there. But I think that it's indicative of what happens as we continue to migrate through our lives. If we're willing to pause and listen to what's coming towards us and see how it serves us and those around us. So for that moment, I have to say, bravo, grandma. But I also have never said that she was perfect. I, we went through a hard time when I had to make a difficult decision regarding my family. And she didn't agree with it. So just like I said earlier, where we were often impacted by generational divides, that was one of them. And I think we can all, we can all agree. It's, it goes beyond their ability not to be able to do technology. It goes far beyond that and what the expectations are. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that because I sat in church with her that we had a racist theology preached to us that talked about the dominion over earth of primarily the white Christian. So that would have been the filter through which she saw the world, even though she also would have given unconditionally to anybody, regardless of the color of their skin. But inevitably, we would find a place 
where we would find each other. She would often ask me questions as she saw me navigating through Christianity because I did not stay a Southern Baptist. I went to non-denominational Christianity. I became a an ordained elder in the Presbyterian Church. And I believe that part of that was also impacted her deconstruction. I'm not saying she didn't die a, a raging Southern Baptist because she did, but there were times where she would say, you know, I think in the end, we've all got it just a little bit right. And when I hear that, I hear she's acknowledging that religions have it a lot wrong. And it's what we have a lot wrong that has caused so much of the heartache and the wars and everything that's happened up to this time when we when we dig our heels in and believe that we are the only ones who are right. But what I share here is the the church moments where she had a voice that sounded like a bass trumpet. And I was amazed at that because she didn't sound like your typical woman that was in the choir. She didn't care. She belted that voice out. It sounded like a, a female baritone. The closest one I could ever see is sometimes Miley Cyrus can sing really low. She's still, she has nothing on my grandma. My grandma could, could sing lower and it would be years for me to reconcile the fact that there's also a bridge there. My grandmother embraced her voice, was not ashamed of it, didn't care that she didn't sound like any other women in the choir or beside her, but also knew her place inside this deeply patriarchal system. But she dove in willingly. She drove buses. She transported people different places. She fundraised for the church. She coordinated funerals. She made all kinds of flowers that she paid for. She was a florist by just by craft. And she willingly gave of herself. But what I've also recognized over the years is that even though she came from a long line of male Southern Baptist preachers, she would have been the best out of all of them. But I don't think any one time had she ever recognized the fact that she had the ability to use that big baritone voice to preach because she carried the water for the patriarchal system that she was a part of. She willingly sacrificed herself in so many ways with all the free labor that she gave the church in order to support that system. And so I keep thinking about that voice and what it could have been doing instead of singing, which she could do, but boy, if she could have preached because I heard her sermons, trust me, I heard her sermons on Sunday morning. If she got going, she could preach the paint off the walls. I don't know if that's a saying or not, but I just said it. So I look back at this time and I realize that I have had family members tell me that I'm part of a lineage. Those who don't reject the fact that I'm a female minister, they are proud of the fact that I'm part of a lineage of ministers who have come before me. But honestly, the greatest out of all of them was my grandmother. She just didn't know it. I always say that we came from love. And love was what we will return to. That's all I need to know about whatever is on the other side of this human experience. When we start talking about the rigid dogma and trying to figure out all that finalities, again, we get into debates that actually distract us from the work that we're here to do, which is to elevate the human condition and leave this world a better place than we found it. But I know where she is now that if she came from love and love to, is to what she returned to, she knows that. 
not that she would have regrets, but the awareness is there that that is what we all should have been able to have the ability to do is to come here and be the best version of ourselves that she was denied because of a patriarchal system. I hope that she's as proud of me as she was of her heritage. I think she is. I have family members who disagree, uh, but that's okay. I smile with it because at one time that used to bother me. But what bothers me more than anything now is the fact that I think my grandmother died with sermons in her heart that she never got to preach. But I won't because I stopped waiting for permission from patriarchy to teach those sermons and to use my voice, that same bellowing voice that my grandmother had, because I have a deep voice when I sing too. I, I won't burden you with it. So that part of me that's still in me, that one that I found fascinating, even at nine years old, when I would watch those fire and brimstone preachers at revivals, that part of me, I've turned into something good. I've used it to amplify my voice in a way. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a story that started with a 15 second video that reminded me that what someone might have tried to limit it actually taught me to amplify my gifts and say, I'm going to reject what you're saying of me and about me. And I'm going to turn this way because I know this is my authenticity and you're not going to take it away from me. Even though you say that's God's will for me, I want nothing to do with that God because there is no reconciling a spirituality that oppresses how another human being is going to show up. So I reject that God with a passion. And I instead turn to the world with my gifts, my innate gifts to help heal it. And may I continue to do that in beautiful soul. May you do that as well. May you take whatever your gifts are and reject anything from your heritage that does not serve your highest good. May you turn back to your world to leave this place a better place than you found it because you were in it and because you use those gifts that you know are uniquely and innately yours. So, and I ended the blog with saying, and all the people said, amen and amen. Okay, beautiful souls, thank you for listening. If you'd like to watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, then subscribe and check back here for more content at Spirituality Matters with Rev. Carla on YouTube. Check out Patreon to join our memberships and access unique opportunities, including bonus content, live Q&A, and be looking for new tiers coming soon because this is a growing spiritual community for the spiritual but not religious. And I invite you to connect with me on all social media platforms and you can find more content at Rev. Carla.com and numasoul.com. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you. I pray that you receive something because I know I did. The teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.